Francisco, tell us uh, about your true feelings about what impact did this have on both you and the children as you completed this compilation? Um, for me, being an outsider to Jewish culture, but having a, a deep appreciation um, for it from, you know, back when I was, you know, a kid and, and visited Auschwitz. Um, it was just very validating that I, I it was, you know, I, it was a lot of hard work. Um, there were times I didn't know if I would get this created on time. Um, there were times I wasn't sure if um, I was doing it justice. There were times I wasn't sure if things were coming together. And so when all of that really became interwoven through the storyline, um, that for me gave me a lot of uh, a peace because it wasn't really me telling the story. It was the Jewish people telling the story. Yes. I was yes. just kind of compiling things together and organizing it in a way that could kind of open the door for them to just have their voice. Um, so for me as an outsider, uh, you know, there are still ripples of that value, uh, appreciation that I have. Um, the students, um, I'm very encouraged to hear their stories. Um, with a mother-daughter uh, couple, uh, Marianne Zimmel is one of the German teachers at LAB, and um, her daughter was actually a senior um, at the school, and she, they both were a part of this project. Um, you know, Rachel, uh, the daughter, she read uh, some of the poetry. Um, Marianne um, portrayed um, Rennie Walhas, the, the, the mother who uh, writes the letter of farewell to her family when she learns she and her son are going to be sent um, to Auschwitz. And, wow. you know, having them be a part of this project and coaching them to really kind of draw as much emotion as I possibly could mm -hmm. from them having them kind of look back and just reflect on what that's done um, for them as having a sense of, of pride um, for who they are and for what their ancestors have experienced. Um, I couldn't have gone into this project hoping for that. And so to get, you know, accolades um, in that regard as a teacher who, you know, I think anything that we do, whether it's math or history or English or science, mm -hmm. we want to have an impact. We're trying to tell these students about things that matter in our society, in our world, um, but not just from a <clears throat> bullet point factual checklist. We're, we're hoping that this is a living, breathing entity that becomes part of who they are. And um, I think that was probably the biggest reward that I could have gotten from this was having learned of the impact that it did have on the kids. Francis, well, if I could just follow up with one, Julia, this is so exciting and so interesting. I want to know if, if you have considered actually approaching the museum in Washington, D.C. for the Holocaust, because we visited there. And this is a great, this would be a great uh, artifact to have in that facility because there's nothing that deals with this type of genre in there that we saw. Um, I actually had a chance to visit the DC Museum myself about 15 years ago, and so I, um, I know what you're talking about in terms of that impact. That's that's a, a monumental place to be in. Um, it definitely provokes profound thought. Um, 
I've been asked by several people that question, have I approached um, the museum? I started local here with, with Skokie. Um, they had an Anne Frank uh, presentation um, that spring, the same year that we pre premiered the piece. And so um, they had us come down as guests and we did a live performance, which was very well received. Um, I, I hadn't thought about the impact of sharing that until other people like yourself have brought that up. And so um, I plan on reaching out to them. And, uh, you know, this to me is just a work that I want to freely share to anybody who is interested, um, whether that just be you wanted a, a recording of the performance, you know, do you want a copy of the music so you can actually see the composition on paper? Um, we did a, a pretty in-depth um, making of fe featurette so that we showed how this piece was, um, you know, born and, and kind of, you know, manifested. Um, any and all of those materials, I, I would be more than willing to share with anybody who um, I thought might have benefit from it. You're wishing in the presence of genius. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And we can say, remember when he was on that world? I know. Francisco, one of the things that I want to talk about too, well, I want you to tell the story to our audience about how there was a letter that was used in the artifact and how it had an impact on a particular audience member. Sure. Because I'm going to let you tell that. Um, so, again, in, in browsing the archives of um, Skokie's Museum and looking for different pieces of artifacts we might use, one of them uh, that um, Emily showed me was a letter, a typed-out letter, uh, written by a woman named Rennie Valhas. And um, this is a farewell letter to her family because she's just learned that she and her son, Alfred, are about to be sent to um, Auschwitz. She knows she's going to die. She knows her son's going to die. Um, this is going to be the last time that she has any kind of way to um, say goodbye to, to her family and loved ones. And so there was that letter, but then there were, there just also happened to be a typewriter, not the typewriter, but a typewriter um, from the Holocaust. And so we grabbed, um, we sampled typewriter strikes. The typewriter itself was no longer functioning, mm -hmm. but we were able to simulate um, typewriter strikes. And so um, that part of the piece that you're referring to is actually the transition from the first movement into the second movement. So, you know, bird song, where we're talking about a peaceful, calmful time. And it's almost as if when you are reading this letter, you're realizing that the Holocaust is now a thing. So it's the bridge that goes into the darkness of the second movement. Wow. Um, Rennie was a German Jew, and so the, the letter was written in German. Um, Marianne Zimmel, my great good friend and colleague at the lab school, um, I recruited her to read um, both the German letter and an English translation that we kind of wordsmith together. So in that part of the piece, various parts of the German or English translation kind of come in and out of focus. You can kind of hear it evolve. Um, it's a pretty visceral part of the piece. It's, it's, it's the most visceral part. It gets really um, unapologetic about what's about to happen. And um, so we fast forward to the actual assembly that the JSA puts on. There's always a keynote speaker that is brought in as a guest. And in this case, um, he was a Holocaust survivor. 
Um, his parents got him out when he was very young. Um, I don't believe they made it, but they, they were able to get him out. And so he's telling this story about, um, you know, his journey um, out of danger. Um, towards the end of the program, we performed um, this piece. And then after the assembly was over, um, he came over to uh, say hello to the students and I and just introduce himself and um, congratulate the kids on, on you know, a job well done. Um, but then what he said after that is something that no, no one could have ever predicted or expected. Um, he revealed to us that Rennie Valhas was, in fact, his aunt. Whoa! Um, and I don't mean like you know third, fourth generation removal. Like his mother's sister was Rini Valhas, and um, you know when you think about all of the millions of people that have ties um, to that horrific event, the odds that we would choose out of thousands of pieces in that archive a letter that was written by a person that could have just been, you know, we've had keynote speakers for that assembly, you know, since its inception. Mm -hmm. um, no one, the, the people choosing the keynote speaker didn't know what we were writing. They didn't even know what our wow. piece was. So wow. no one could have known any of that. And to have all of those planets align, when he revealed that um, the kids lost it, they, they really broke down. I'm sure um, they did. I'm because sure. it, it just tied everything home. You know, they are, were already so invested in the preparing of the piece, but then to really, and I can't even imagine um, being in the audience, hearing a musical performance, and then a portion of that is directly related to a close relative of mine in real time. I, I, yeah. I just can't even fathom with that. Um, would have been like for him. So um, I was so grateful that he shared that with us. It really um, tied the impact that much deeper and um, never going to forget that. Records and true musica? Yeah, um, all of that can be tied into uh, my good friend Brian Boncher. Uh, I met Brian um, actually while I was in trade school learning this whole music technology stuff, uh, how to teach these kinds of classes, how to operate that software and create, you know, beats and, and whatnot produce. Um, at the time, the school was called Music Industry Workshop. And Brian was one of the instructors, um, very successful in his own right. He is um, an incredibly talented and well-established uh, house music producer in the Chicago area. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I love some house music. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're taking me back. I'm not going to tell my age, but you're taking yes, me indeed. back, okay? Yes, okay, indeed. go ahead, Francisco. And, uh, you know, he was one of the people that... Uh, you know, again, was really responsible for kind of helping guide me and just learning all of this stuff. But then later on, you know, after the fact, um, I mean, we've still kept our connection to this day. He comes and, uh, you know, lectures for my students. Um, 
he guest performs. And so, you know, that was just a, a project of his. He was doing a track and he wanted some trumpet. Um, and so, you know, frequently he'll have an idea. He'll send me some, uh, some section of the song. I'll lay down trumpet stuff and send that back to him. And then he works his magic and produces all that stuff together. So um, that's just been fun and a really creative way for us to collaborate and make music together. Joe, I told you greatness. Yes. Uh, Francisco, I know we're going to have to have you back. Um, yes. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Um, you know, Dino and I are always encouraging, you know, with this podcast that if folks have a voice to make sure that they speak out. But instead of us doing our closing tag and closing out, you know, out. First of all, I want to know how folks can reach you, but I want you to close out our show and do an introduction um, of the digital project. Digital symphony is what I've been calling it. <laughs> and to, um, to let our viewers actually hear the masterpiece that you and your yeah. students have created. So yeah. um, again, before we close out, um, how can folks get in contact with you? And then I'm going to give it to you to close out the show. Sure. Um, probably um, school is the easiest way. I'm on the faculty at the University of Chicago Lab School. Um, that's a great way to, to find me and reach out. Um, I also have a, a little presence on Facebook. You can, you can find me there as well. Um, those are probably the easiest ways to reach me. And, you know, happy to uh, connect with anybody at any time. All right. Well, you all heard it first here. And again, um, we want to thank our guests. I'm your host, Jewel L. And I'm your host, Dino L. <laughs> and we're going to have our very special guest, Francisco Dean, yes. close us out with an introduction of his special project that he did using the Holocaust artifacts. Francisco Dean, it's on you. Close all us right. out. So, uh, Freeling Dick Mbazi. Uh, which transits to As the Spring Unconquered, takes its title from the admiration of those who have overcome oppression with steadfast resolve and continue to press forward. Uh, the piece is in three continuous movements, each movement interpreted through poems written by children who were prisoners at the Theresian concentration camp. Uh, the first bird song, written anonymously, marks the time before the Holocaust. Fear, written by Avapikova, gives a sobering account of the Holocaust itself through her eyes. And I Am a Jew, written by Front Abbas, stands as a call to defiance against tyranny. Each movement also borrows musical themes that have become staples in the Jewish culture. Um, at its core, the piece is exploration of sound design, taking frequencies in one form and transforming uh, them into different sounds altogether. Every instrument heard, um, was created from field recordings from artifacts from the Holocaust. Overall, the piece became so much more than any of us could have imagined, providing lessons, connections, and appreciation that'll last a lifetime. Uh, field recordings from 44 artifacts were collected. 18 were ultimately used to create 24 different instrument sounds. So every instrument sound you hear is coming from an artifact of the Holocaust but every word you hear is coming from the people who lived it. Wow. 
And now I hope you enjoy Freeling Dick Umbazik as the spring unconquered. Freeling Dick Umbazik as the spring unconquered is a composition for electronic music ensemble and takes its title from the admiration of the Jewish people of the Holocaust who ultimately overcame oppression with steadfast resolve and continue to press forward today. Resilience is defined as the capacity to recover, the ability to spring back into shape. As a physical object, a spring is coiled, and after being compressed, springs back to its original form. This led to the thinking of spring as a season, with its splendor of color and blooming of leaves and flowers. In the yearly cycle, there is winter, but no matter how hard, cold, or brutal winter is, spring always follows. The season spring in this work represents the Jewish people. Despite everything horrific about the Holocaust, the winter in this symbolism, the people have endured and are still here, unconquered. The piece is in three movements, broadly traversing three periods of the Holocaust. The movements are interpreted through three chosen poems written by children who were prisoners at the Theresen concentration camp. Birdsong, written anonymously, marks the time before the Holocaust. Fear, written by Eva Pekova, gives a sobering account of the Holocaust itself through her eyes. And I Am a Jew, written by Franta Bass, stands as a call to defiance against tyranny. Each movement also borrows musical themes that have helped shape the fabric of Jewish culture. Eufenweg, Stetterboim, On the Road Stands a Tree, is the Jewish folk lullaby that accompanies birdsong, telling the story of a young child that wants to be a bird and fly. Meets more, Le David, A Psalm of David, is a musical setting to The Lord is My Shepherd, I Shall Not Want, and accompanies the second movement, Fear. The partisan tune, Zoknit Kainmo, Never Say, accompanies the final movement, I Am a Jew, and is the anthem of solidarity and resistance among the Jewish people. At its core, the piece is an exploration of sound design, taking frequencies in one form and transforming them into different sounds altogether. Every instrument sound heard was created from field recordings from artifacts from the Holocaust. Musically, there are also added levels of symbolism. The second movement, Fear, uses a musical cryptogram of four notes spelling the word fear. The pitches used are F, E, A, and D. Since there is no musical note for the letter R, D was used as it represents Ray and Solfege for the key of C. With the exception of the main melody, every accompaniment in this movement is based only on these four notes. The most obvious is the bass line underneath the main theme, which is an ostinato of F-E-A-D, played over and over. For the other parts, the motif is even transposed into the keys of each of those four pitches. F-E-A-D in the key of F, F-E-A-D in the key of E, etc. Overall, the piece became so much more than could have ever been imagined, providing lessons, connections, and an appreciation that will last a lifetime.
Vergesst uns nicht. 
Don't forget us. Bis zur letzten. I will think of you until my final hour. Ich küsse euch den I send you my deepest embrace. And I continue my to love you. And I continue to love you. And I continue to love you. Until my end. My deepest embrace. And I continue to love you.
Perhaps it's better. Who can say? Than watching this. To die today? No, no, my God, we want to live, 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 live. Not watch our numbers melt away. We want to have a better world. We want to work. We must not die.
Brother Francisco D. Thank you, Francisco. In Washington, D.C., when the museum, Holocaust Museum, wants you to come and present, we would love to accompany you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Listen, I appreciate what you all are doing with this podcast. I've I've never heard of um, a theme as unique as this that really ties in a platform for people who are out there creating um, for a purpose to really come in and gather and, and fellowship. And um, I've gotten to know your website. Um, I, I'm honored to be invited to be a guest. It's great to meet you all. You're just good people. Um, thank you so much for having me be a part of your show. Greatness, Joel. Great. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Francisco, Francisco, <laughs> Dean, thank you so much. Thank My you brother, so thank much. You. 
thank you so much for all that you do. And um, please come back to Speak Out World. Any yeah. anytime that you want to have a platform to connect music and activism and tell us what you're doing, you are welcome here. So yes, sir. Thank you all. Thank you. All right. All right.